The word classic uh, refers most often to uh, sort of uh, timeless literature that has sort of lasted, if you would, uh, the generations. Um, uh, sometimes it refers to music. So you have a classic literature like um, Romeo and Juliet from Shakespeare and many other Shakespeare's writings, uh, Merchant of Venice. And, or you have a music that has been considered a classic. There's even a genre called classical music, but Beethoven and Bach and all those are classical music. But there are classics, uh, in a sense, like uh, you think of uh, I Did It My Way, and there's many more that we could think of. Uh, it, it even crosses over the term classic into beyond just the sort of literature and, and music uh, and a combination of almost entertainment. I think of uh, movies uh, as classics, like, uh, and each generation tends to have its own classic uh, in a sense. Um, like you think of It's a Wonderful Life, which has been a classic for, for many people, uh, Christmas, or um, The Sound of Music, which crosses multiple genres, right? There's both music and a play as well as, uh, as literature, and, and so on. So we even have it when it comes to cars, right? You've got a classic. But an individual can't, well, an individual can use the term, say, that's my classic car, but it generally is a collective understanding of something that um, transcends the, the generation that, that it is in. Um, in a sense, it, it gives a, a timelessness to it, that there's a certain amount of sacredness to a classic, whether it be music, whether it be literature, or whether it be entertainment, or even an item that there is something that collectively we have said that this is, in a sense, timeless. And it has something that, that teaches us about who we are as human beings, and it has a timelessness that passes on. Well, every year we enter into a classic time in Lent. It, it is a timeless um, sort of every year we do this. Every year we, we submit to the wisdom of the period of 40 days of renewal. And there are certain hallmarks to this classic time, and we hear it in today's reading. Um, there's a very, very short gospel from the gospel of Mark, which is the shortest of all the gospels, the first of the gospels the shortest. And, and he says very simply, Jesus goes to the desert for 40 days. And there's no temptations like the other Gospels. There's, there's just a sort of a matter of fact he was in the day, and he was ministered to by the angels while he was among the wild beasts. And then he immediately goes into his public ministry, and his first words, his first words are, repent and believe in the gospel. Now, repent, uh, I've said this before, but repent, uh, the Greek word there is metanoia, believe in the gospel. Metanoia is, is probably better translated, rather than repent, it is better translated as change your minds and hearts and believe in the gospel. So think of it as change your minds and hearts and believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. 
So with that, uh, we have a, a classic way in how we handle this Lenten period. And, and you heard me talk about it on, on Wednesday, if you tune in, is the, uh, and it's every church in the entire Christendom celebrates the three pillars of Lent. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And this is the classic way in which we, we enter into this period of renewal and period of joy. I know that that part has been lost. Because when we renew ourselves, when we refresh ourselves, then we ought to be more joyful. So this period of, of rejuvenation, this period of repentance, a period of changing our hearts and minds, is a call to joy, to, to return to the joy of the gospel, the good news of the gospel. That's what this period is meant to help us do. So everything needs to serve that purpose. Uh, we have to be careful not to um, make it um, brutally penitential, suffering somehow that we're going to... No, it's meant to lighten our load and to insist upon the good news of the gospel that brings joy to our hearts. So on Wednesday, I had suggested that, that, that in each of those, we, we try just one of each of those, that we find a way to deepen our prayer life by, by saying a prayer at the end of each day. I mentioned that how important it was that we fast, but that, that maybe we fast from one bad habit, one bad habit that we know we ought to give up, whether it be talking about others or always having the last word or last text or always having a complaining word that we give up one thing that we know that the Lord will, will want us to renew and refresh our life. And then one thing that we could do for others, and I had suggested that we write a text or a phone call or letter to somebody who uh, we have not spoken to over these periods of time. So, so the question is, if those three things are timeless, those three pillars are timeless, then how are we to, to kind of freshen ourselves up each week? Well, I think we're called to dial these in a little bit differently each week. And everybody can do it slightly differently. Um, the, the thing that seems to come to mind for me today, and I encourage you maybe to look at this, is that um, the period of Lent in its timelessness is a call to, to slow down, a, a call to, to pause a little bit. And that's why we have the fasting, that it, uh, that's why we have the prayer, that it calls us just to, well, to give ourselves a little bit more space. And in that space, we can pray and reflect. In that space, we can fast. In that space, we can do things for others. And let me give you an example. I, um, I, 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 I'm not sure everyone uses Outlook or, or, or these calendars as I do, but on the computer, we have these calendars, and they, once you make an appointment, it blocks out that appointment. And unfortunately, it blocks out a full hour, and then the next hour, and the next hour. And like, I can look at my calendar on a day, and it's just completely, mine's in blue. So it can be completely blue from beginning to end of the day. I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's healthy for all of us, that we go from one task to the next with no break in between. So what I'm introducing into, for my Lenten journey, a little bit of white space in my calendar. So I'm making 45-minute appointments, not an hour appointments. And I'm taking a little white space, and it's for me, and it's for God. 
just to slow down, just to say a prayer, to take note of what the last meeting was and take note of what the next meeting will be. And, and sometimes then in the middle of that white space, I then have time to also leave some well, white space for the other person. Uh, to leave some space for them to, well, make mistakes. Uh, for them to be human and to say things that maybe they don't always mean. And um, to leave room for them, a little bit of white space around them so they have room to be, to be human. And why? Well, because I know that I need room to be human. That I need a little bit of room around me to make mistakes. And if I need that for me, then I I need it for you. So in this Lent, as we we enter in this classical time, and it is a wonderful, joy-filled time, if we can enter into the true spirit of metanoia, this repentance of changing our mind and our heart, can we leave a little bit of white space for ourselves and for God, for others, and for God, so that together the season truly will be a season of joy. Repent and believe in the gospel. Metanoia, change our minds and our hearts, and believe in the gospel.